and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Zoe Rahman. So, pianistic marvellousness coming right up. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to our penultimate episode of Series 7 of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure you subscribe. You can visit our delightful website at watfordjazzjunction.com whenever you like and to book tickets to see our gigs here in Friendly Watford and we've got the Tony Kofi Quintet and their enthralling Cannibal Adderley show coming up on the 12th of February next year. Just a £15 surcharge will gain you access. And as listeners will know from last week, today's episode stands astride our one-year anniversary of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. Few can believe it. And as announced with Elliot last week, we're celebrating, oh yes, it is a merchandise free-for-all. Well, free for five of you. Four indeed, four lucky listeners will win a Welcome Jazz Junction baseball cap. And one all-star listener will walk away with a baseball cap, a Watford Jazz Junction t-shirt, and two tickets to our Tony Kofi gig. Good Lord! Just email jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com with the subject line, WJJ podcast is one. And you shall be entered into our stellar anniversary prize draw. No cash alternatives are available, but I shall cover the postage and packing. And the closing date is the 1st of December. Good luck. Now to business. Today, I am joined by a piano sensation. Winner of the Perrier Young Jazz Award once upon a time. Winner of the Parliamentary Jazz Awards once upon a time. And winner of the Mobo Best Jazz Act. An international recording and performing artist be that Japan or Barbados, from the US to Bangladesh, it can only be the most wonderfully talented Zoe Rahman. Zoe, hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on the show. That's an absolute delight and totally our pleasure. Um, so where are you speaking to us from today? Whereabouts are you based? I am in North London, Ooh. Mill Hill area, that kind of Oh, Mill Hill, just down the road from Watford. It is, actually. It is just down the road. Yeah, I, I, I drive through occasionally. There's a very nice restaurant in Mill Hill in an equestrian centre, which is quite discombobulating if you're eating meat. It's funny you should mention that. The equestrian centre. The one on Frith Lane. How weird one. That one. Yeah. Well, opposite that equestrian centre is where I'm doing a gig in the EFG London Jazz Festival. Ooh. Well, I want to ask you all about that gig. Should we do it at the head of the show? So, Zoe, I hear you're playing at the EFG <laughs> London Jazz Festival. Is that on the 21st of November? It is, Sunday. So tell us where and when and what's the story around that gig? Well, it's a quite an interesting story, actually. There's a primary school, Frith Manor Primary School, which is opposite the equestrian centre that you were talking about. And this time last year, you know, when everyone was in lockdown, yeah. my mum was watching telly and she saw Jamie Cullum on the news talking about him organising a competition Ooh. to win his uh, beautiful Yamaha grand piano. Oh, fancy. It was for like schools or community centres yeah. or, you know, people who needed a piano in the community. And he wanted to give it to someone who would use it of course. and um, it would have a life. And I knew this school, um, Frith Manor, really needed a piano. They've got, they had an upright. And I used to go in actually during lockdown and play for the kids. And I've done oh. quite a lot of things in the school. I'd never written a song. An actual song. I've written loads of music, but actually writing lyrics, you know, I thought, like, okay, there's a challenge. Yeah. I'll go for it. And uh, I think the kids wanted, they needed something. And it was a time when the kids, you know, they weren't in school, they were in and out of school. It was in a half term. And I thought, okay, let's try this. Even though we were all masked up, you know, it was all very awkward. Yeah. But anyway, I wrote the song, we recorded the song <laughs> on a little Zoom digital recorder. And I'd never edited anything in my life before, but I went onto GarageBand and found GarageBand on yeah. my computer. I thought, okay, I'll 
I'll give this a go. Amazing. And um, miraculously, Jamie really liked the song and he he gave the school his piano. Wow. And he came in before, yeah. Oh, well done, <laughs> and you. And he came in before, I oh, know, it was amazing. It was like, and he came in before Christmas. The kids all had their Christmas jumpers on, you know, we sang the song to him and he um, he handed over the piano. And this year, I thought, wouldn't it be nice, now they've got this beautiful instrument, if I could play it in a London jazz festival? Absolutely amazing. And that's what's happening. So we're adding Frith Manor Primary School on the Frith Lane to the heady mix yeah. of Ronnie Scott 606 as London's new uber cool jazz yeah. venue. So exciting. <laughs> so what are, you, what are you going to be playing there? And is it open to the public and all this? It's absolutely open to the public. Yeah, tickets are available just through the um, EFG London Jazz Festival website. Yeah. And it's myself on this beautiful piano. And then I've got um, Jing Hadarazzo on drums and Alec Dakworth on the Ooh, bass. So that trio, is a fancy a line-up. I've never heard one. Yeah, they're really great musicians. I've worked with them for years. We just did a gig the other night, actually, in Little Missenden yeah. Festival. Beautiful church. And, yeah, they're sounding amazing. We've got new material. You know, it's been a while. Obviously, d- during lockdown, we hadn't played. So um, our last proper gig together was March last year. We've done, we played at Ronnie Scott's in August and yeah, we've been rehearsing a bit. We've got new new material. I've been writing yeah. songs, not with lyrics, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll give a big shout out and, and plaudits to Jamie Cullen for such a good initiative. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Oh, very exciting. So what's your, your backstory then? Now we're talking about schools. Were you sort of pianistically brilliant? Sorry, that was my alarm telling me that I was having a meeting with you. Genius. This is how we roll. This is also unusual for a jazz musician to be so attuned to schedules. Okay. Um, So now we're speaking about schools. Were you into jazz as a little girl? What, 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 what? Well, there was a lot of music that happened at my school and at home. Yeah, Yeah, I went to primary school down in Sussex. That's where I was born. I'm from Chichester, Mm -hmm. West Sussex. And I went to school in this brilliant primary school, Bosom. And I had a fantastic classroom teacher, Mrs Hawkins, who played the piano and she did a lot of music in the school and she taught us recorders and guitars and we used to do musical shows. All kinds of things were going on. And so, I mean, that's partly why, you know, with this primary school, I really wanted them to have access to a decent piano you know and to have music to bring music into the school Absolutely. for the children because especially after the pandemic I mean anyway in life it's just really important for children to have Correct. access to music yeah. and to experience it live but particularly after the pandemic you know and people have gone through so much emotionally that you know I think you know, music should be at the top of everyone's list. Absolutely. But anyway, so I had it as a child in my school in droves you know it was fantastic and at home as well we were I, I've got an older sister who plays piano mm. a younger brother and a younger sister and when we were young we always used to just play you know Do your thing. basically my parents bought a little old upright piano they weren't musicians uh-huh. but they bought us a piano just as a sort of toy really just a thing because it looked nice had candelabras and kind of oh one of those sort of old old style victorian ones very old style you know they weren't expecting us to play but then after a while they're like oh yes well <laughs> you better go for you know we went for a lesson yeah. and then the teacher said you know you know you better kind of take this thing seriously because they and and child number two started to excel right i mean what when did you realize that you were quite good at it well i didn't realize i just kind of <laughs> did it <laughs> best way i haven't realized yet <laughs> no i mean my sister she's like i mean she went to the yahoozy menu in school she was proper like classical oh hold on so i shouldn't have dismissed the... sister number one i know exactly why because... am i speaking to her <laughs> i was a layabout in comparison i mean she used to get up at four in the morning we lived in the countryside yeah in a row of three houses, one, and, and then nearer sort of a farm, there were fields in it. And the only other person up at four in the morning, other than my sister practicing the piano, yeah. was the farmer milking his cows, you know. 
Um, so she took it seriously. Yes, we have to. I seem to remember my sister doing something similar for an advanced certificate or diploma or something. She'd be up at like 5am or whatever and you'd hear this it's whacking ridiculous. of list or Chopin and you're like, oh my good God, yeah. how are you doing this? Why are you doing it's this? Never... <laughs> I could barely make it up in time for the bus which came to the end of the road. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, jazz. Jazz was obviously your, your calling genre. We're your people. That was my calling. Exactly. I saw four o'clock from the other end. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so my sister, yeah, she played, went to the, and we went, we both went to the Royal Academy of Music as like junior yeah. exhibitionists. So on a Saturday morning, yeah. we traipse up to London. Amazing. Unaccompanied by parents. Unbelievable, I mean, Those huh? are the days when you just used to <laughs> wander around. My brother, so he started playing as well. In his school, they had an amazing, he went to a different school. We had an amazing jazz band there. So he played clarinet, started playing saxophone. Yeah. We started listening to... Uh, it was a great album, Horace Silver, a song for my father. So yeah. Was, you know, all kinds of things, Miles Davis, Horace Silver. Uh, and I used to, that's when I started transcribing music, start, you know, getting interested in jazz. My parents would take us to all kinds of gigs. I mean, Chichester wasn't exactly a hotbed of, you know, Well, a, hot, a hotbed of Chichester songs and such things. <laughs> so quite a classical music <laughs> tradition there, right? You know, but there was a, yeah, there was a, there were, there were gigs that came through. There was the Chichester festivities, you know, there was Elaine and Johnny Dankworth. I remember going to see them. And I did go and see a gig and I don't remember what the band was, but when I was a teenager, I went to see a gig in a club in Chichester. Oh. And I just remember thinking that was just an amazing experience, you know, brilliant. Just seeing, because I was so used to playing classical music and reading someone else's compositions you know it never occurred to me that you could just kind of improvise and then when you see it when you see people doing it live and there's a bit of an atmosphere you know a bit of a bar at the back and people having a good time it's very rare to get a seminal moment like that or in 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 my discussions there's often the influence of you know a teacher or parent or, or a school but actually being able to coin a moment when you went to this gig and just saw improvisation happening like that and went oh like almost like a penny drops yeah it absolutely did, amazing yeah. and then not that i immediately went home and thought how do i do this but i was just started to you know i just started to get interested so then what then what, let's speed you forward so then you do you do music at university or or what, what? well yeah i did actually I, well, I did classical i was still doing classical music so i went to oxford yeah university. so that's quite a dry course isn't it i mean <laughs> i don't mean that in a negative sense that's a very classical music orientated it was to... i mean really what i wanted to do yeah. was music and a language like italian or spanish or something Ooh. like that but in oxford i mean i only went to oxford because my dad said i'd take the exam you know it wasn't really on my mind to go to oxford but anyway so i did this exam yeah. and then i got in brilliant <laughs> so i couldn't re- i couldn't really go oh i don't want to go so <laughs> i went yeah even though i would actually have preferred to probably do another course yeah. that would have suited me better so i was doing this classical degree like you say it wasn't entirely my thing but I tried to shoehorn as much jazz and other interesting forms of music yeah. into the degree as I possibly could. So I wrote a dissertation on Bill Evans. And Ooh. Yeah, basically just hung out with people in town and, and tried to play as much as possible. My brother came, actually, he was two years, he's two, he's two years younger than me, and he came to the same college as me. Yeah. And then we used to play. Yeah, so it was slow. It was a slow process, learning jazz for me. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, I remember, remember going to see... When I was writing that dissertation on Bill Evans, I went to see Julian Joseph's nice. band in, in Oxford. And I'd already set up a jazz society. I was like, quite obsessed, oh, yeah. you know. And there wasn't really anything happening jazz-wise. So I basically used this society as an excuse to get people together to do trips to Ronnie Scott's and nice. stuff like that. You'll be setting up a podcast next, Zoe. <laughs> be warned. <laughs> and, um, you know, things like that. And I'd invite, who did I get down? Bobby Wellens came and did a workshop for us and... 
and um, Jason Ribello came also. Nice. And I just used to invite, try any any excuse really to to try and hook up with jazz people and, and pick their brains and try and get some jazz happening. That's super and cool. And just playing with people. And then back to the Junior Joseph thing. So I went to speak to him after the gig, generally about how to play jazz, basically, because I didn't have much of a clue. I was a bit rubbish. I just, you know, was trying to find a way. And I, he invited me to just come and play some stuff with him. Yeah. I don't know if you know, there's a, um, the Steinway piano show, Chauvin's in Malibu. I'm well aware of them. Um, he used to go there. there you go. Very fancy. Yeah, beautiful place. And so we used to meet up there and I'd play him some stuff and he'd sort of guide me towards certain albums that I hadn't heard of. In fact, in those days, you could go into an actual record shop where they had CDs, those old fashioned things that no one knows about anymore. In fact, someone said to me the other day, I was carrying, because <laughs> I still listen to a CD Walkman. I carry what? A <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, I got it's like a confessional. <laughs> yeah, I know, it is. So I was I was doing this thing the other day at the Royal College of Music, yeah. and the, they were playing. There was a piano player. He was playing um, that amazing um, Zodiac Suite by Mary Lou Williams, yeah, yeah. which had been beautifully arranged for jazz orchestra by Laura Jerd. And um, so I was listening to the original on CD, and I just took the CD out and showed him the case. I'm like, "Yeah, this is it. You have, go away and listen to this while you're practicing." And and I, you probably don't know what this is, do you? This is CD. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got to no way of playing that, but thank you. Yeah. And then he said, oh, yeah, I recognise those. My mum used to have one of those in her car. Oh, that's cruel. At which point I felt so old. Yeah, it's like, go away. <laughs> Enough of your small youth talk. Yeah. So anyway, so CD. So Julian like, pointed a few, like, really great albums. Yeah, like lovely. Like Solo Monk, um, McCoy Tiny, The Real McCoy, El Ghana, Concert by the Sea. All of the classics. All the classics. So I had a whole list of them and slowly, you know, I couldn't buy them all at once, obviously, financially. That ruined me. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Yeah, for the record, money. kids, CDs weren't cheap. You had to sort of save up till you bought the next one. Anyway, so yeah, so eventually I got through this whole list. It was quite a list, about 15 albums. And then I got through them and then I, I listened and I would transcribe things, you know, just to try and improve. So then you were propelled or you propelled yourself over over the Atlantic and you end up... Oh, yeah. Going, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> forgot that. Uh, but you went to Berkeley, right? No, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what happened? In fact, Julian, one of the albums that Julian introduced me to was um, Special Identity by Joanne Bakin. Right. Who's an amazing piano player. If people don't know her, she's not so well known, but she's phenomenal. Um, she played in Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers and she was Stan Getz's piano player for a long while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah. writes amazing tunes. He thought of her because he, when he heard my tunes yeah, like, that I was writing at the time, you know, they weren't in straight 4-4. Four, four. No, not for any reason other than that's just what came out when I would write. And her music also is yeah a bit complex sure. in an interesting way, not in a kind of like cerebral way. But anyway, I applied to do a course at Berkeley Summer School mm. in Glasgow, I think it was, and it was cancelled unfortunately. But then I just I thought, well, I'll just try and go to Boston, do it there. So yeah, I was fortunate enough to be with someone at the time who gave me some money to yeah to go in. Amazing. Uh, me. Yeah. So I went there for six weeks. Yeah. And Joanne Bakin, who I was talking about, she was teaching on there. What a coincidence. So, yeah. And she encouraged me to audition yeah. for a scholarship to come back full time, which I did. And she kept popping in the room and going, oh, she's great. <laughs> you like, oh, keep saying that to the, to the powers <laughs> that be. So do you think the American education had, I mean, it's a daft question in some ways, but had an influence on maybe in your style and the sound? 
No, I mean, not the actual education. It's weird because I'd already done a music degree. Yeah. So, to be honest, I wasn't really there to do the academic side of things. Yeah. I was more there to sort of learn piano from Joanne McKean. Yeah. And also I had another uh, piano player, Ray Santisi, teaching me. And then really, I just wanted to be in America to go to gigs and meet people and play with people. Exactly. You know, I just thought Berkeley would be a good place to just actually get some proper playing done because I hadn't really done that much playing other than... You know, once a week, I, I used to go to weekend arts college. Yeah. Again, I'd heard Julian Joseph had been who told me about that place. I saw him on a television program actually talking about that. And Ian Carr, the trumpet player, yeah. used to run these workshops every Sunday. So I'd go down there and have a play. And then I used to go to jam sessions and, and try and play. But there wasn't really a sort of, you know, I moved to London. I didn't really know anybody, any music, jazz musicians. So I was just kind of finding my way randomly going around to people's houses, looking in loots, that magazine yeah, that, yeah. you know, used to exist. I don't know if it still does. Yeah. If people wanted a, a jam, I'd sort of go along. And hook up and tinkle the ivories. Yeah, there was a lot of random, random bands I used to play with. Oh, I love it. I think it's such an important yeah. learning ground. We were speaking with Jo Harrop a couple of episodes ago, and she was saying something similar about arriving in London. She knew she just wanted to sing, but she didn't really have a, a grand plan of who to sing with. So we're sort of singing with all sorts of, you know, things. Yeah. We're just enjoying the process, you know, and yeah, then found absolutely. her sort of crew eventually, so to speak. But yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah. Um, so when I listen to your playing, I hear all sorts of musical traditions being brought together. I, obviously, there's like ragtime, but there's raggers. There's, I don't know, I can hear Cachaturian. I can hear Klezmer, etc. And I don't know how much of that is deliberate and how much of that is sort of subconscious, but... What my question is, how important to you is the history of musical development in the music that you create of a moment? Um, that's a very, <laughs> how do I answer that question? Yeah, I mean, it's really important. I mean, history, I can't, you know, history is part of who I am. Musical history mm. influences what I do. I'm not just here in 2021 making music out of nowhere. You know, I, I'm very informed by what, I'm, what I've listened to, what the history of the music is in, you know, mm. not just jazz, but all kinds of music as well. I like being a magpie, like you say, it, being influenced by everything I hear. Yeah. So I just see it as music. Yeah. But I interpret that in my way through a sort of jazz, sort of from a jazz perspective. And do you think that then leads to, I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the expression avant-garde, but there is something fresh and on the edge about your music, which which leads to sort of unexpected encounters or unexpected runs or, or, or whatever it is. Is that sort of yeah. fair appraisal or? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's for me that jazz is about, it should be about surprise, you know, yeah. an element of surprise is what I like in it. That's what I like hearing in other people, yeah. you know. Um, so I'm quite pleased that you think that. Oh, no, it's absolutely <laughs> on, true. On the edge. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it is a surprise to me sometimes. I'm like, oh, okay, what have I just done? I don't know, you know, and that's, that's the best thing. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it. I'm, I'm, my, not resistant to it, but I think if you know everything that's going to come, there's a flatness. Whereas I think having the competency to know that you can play what comes to mind is a different thing. Mm. But yeah. yeah, that's the element of surprise, of joy, of discovery is is absolutely there for me. So yeah, 100% I applaud. Um, I'm also interested... Because it would be nice to... No, sometimes it would be nice to know what I'm actually doing. Yeah, man. <laughs> Come on. That would be nice. There's a time and a place for that, Zoe. It's certainly not on the Watford Jazz Junction podcast, that's for sure. So listen, I'm also interested in your sense of identity, uh, particularly your sense of Britishness and your 
Bangladeshi heritage and, you know, the impact that that may have had on you. But really, ultimately, my question is, do you see yourself as a child of the world, a child of Mill Hill at the moment, a child of Sussex or whatever? Or are you rooted to nation state? Or do you think this is sort of irrelevant? I'm British. I'm sure. English. It's like, that's culturally how I was brought up, mm. you know. I can't pretend any other... No. That's just but then you discover I these other roots, right, as you go through your two years and you go, oh, is that important? Yeah, but I also have this other side of me. You know, my dad was from Bengal, Dhaka. Right. A huge family in Bengal. But I never knew them when I was growing up. It was just my dad yeah. here. And then the odd phone call, you know, with a sort of minute silence in between while you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wait for the answer. Yeah. And I can't, I couldn't speak the language anyway. You know, subsequently I've learnt through the music, you know, I've, uh, with my brother, we'd made an album, Where Rivers Meet. Yeah. And so we tried to connect with that side of us through the music that my dad liked listening to and also my cousins and other people I've met yeah, yeah, while yeah, I've been yeah. in Bangladesh. So, yeah, it's a part of me, but it doesn't define who I am. You know, I'm just me. Yeah. You know, and, you know, people ask about my identity. You know, I'm a woman. I'm a... I'm a piano player. I'm a yeah. <laughs> human being, you know. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask the question because I think it's quite clunky. But it's more the fact that you know, when I when I've looked you up, there's often de- descriptions of Zoe sits astride, you know, multiple nationalities and has a sort of world purview, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I'm just interested in how sort of relevant and current that feels to you, whether it's just like. No, I think also it's like how people see me. Yeah. Which is more than, it's it's very different to how I see myself. People like to put like labels on things and, you know, I look different and therefore I must be different. But actually, if you, if you know me, then, yeah, well, you know, it's a different thing. Of course. So I, I, the way looking out from here, you know, I'm just me. But people, have, you know, people find that hard to understand. People don't really get it. You know, they want to uh, put a label on it. So I also just wanted to ask you, I think, because I have been listening to quite a lot, and in fact, I was very lucky. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a, on a beach in Turkey, would you believe? Ooh. It'll check me out. Uh, but I, I put on the, the works of Zoe Rahman, and I spent a very happy day just listening. Oh, uh, and it was very nice. But one of the things that sort of came out to me was your almost symbiotic relationship with your bass player. And the bass line seems to have an absolutely central role in your compositions and then potentially how you play. I guess my question is something along the lines of, is that in response to your playing style, a love of the bass structure, or is there something else going on? What is it about the relationship between you and the bass? <laughs> it's probably really annoying for bass players, but I, I write a lot of tunes from the bass up. Ah. Sort of like drums, bass. Yeah. And then the melody and the harmony. And then it all comes out. So it's probably a bit annoying. My left hand probably gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very yeah, it's very clear. I think that, I think it's very complimentary. But that explains that you you do you do sort of build up and then yeah. you've got the, the groove or the or the yeah. vibe going on. Yeah. Right. Well that's just a very simple answer to a to a, to a very <laughs> simple question. Um so Zoe, it is time for Chris's weekly quiz. And oh. today it's called Zoe's Melting Pot of potpourri jazz excitement. Are you ready? <laughs> totally ready. All right. Question one. Berkeley or Juilliard? Berkeley. Yeah, obvs. <laughs> well, I don't know. I never went to Juilliard, so maybe Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. No, you can't go now. You've just burnt your bridges. Uh, question two. Dave Grusin or Dave Brubeck? Oh, oh, you can't ask me that. Oh, well, Dave Brubeck. Dave oh, Brubeck. Oh, Dave Brubeck. Right, okay, that's done. Grew up with him. He's one of the people that we listen to. Loving it. Okay, question three, maybe trickier. Steinway, Yamaha, Beckstein, Blutner, or something else? Wow. 
Well, out of that, then Steinway. Yeah. Although I played a Fazioli at the weekend and it was Ooh. beautiful in a church. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. But Steinway. Steinway. Very good. All right. Well, penultimate question. Asia, Europe or America? Oh, come on. What? You didn't come on here for an easy ride, Zoe. This is how we roll, as well our <laughs> listeners know. All of the above. What a big cheat. America, because then I could just hang out and listen to jazz. There we go. We have a definitive answer. Yeah, I'll be right behind you. It'd be super cool. And finally, the, the, the big one, Japanese noodle soup. Your choice of ramen, please. Meat, fish or vegetable? <laughs> well, currently vegetable. Bam. Just good for the planet. Good for everyone, hey? Right, hold on. I need to tally this up. So there's five. There was a slight hesitation, a mistake around, well, a cheat on yeah. question four. Yes. Um, there was a freestyle on question three with the addition of a further piano, hesitation over Bruce and Brubeck, and denial over Juilliard. I mean, what yeah. I'm going to give... I did it pretty badly. I was pretty bad, wasn't I? Let's it, wasn't, it. it wasn't great, but it's no. not the score that's relevant, actually, Zoe. It's your place oh. on the leaderboard. And as it turns out, on the leaderboard of Zoe's Melking Pot of Popori Jazz Excitement quiz, you are currently number one. Am I number one? I mean, you know... That is just fantastic. Very, I'm proud of what you. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. My set question Excellent. for Zoe Rahman. You have won your fair share of awards and plaudits, as I said at the top of the show. How important do you think it is to set and achieve musical goals versus finding your feet at your own pace and enjoying playing for playing's sake? Discuss. Oh, well, primarily have to say... Enjoy playing mm. for playing's sake, absolutely every time. But your own personal goals are the things that, yeah, you should be aiming for. I mean, you know, if you don't know what you're aiming for, <laughs> it's quite hard to practice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, and do you think competition has a has a role for for? I mean, people of all ages, I guess, to sort of achieve, to develop, to. No, in jazz, I mean, it's very hard. You can't really compare things. You can't. Compare. Yeah. You know, it's only as a means to. Um, so other people can hear you or something to work towards or get your name out. Um, just in the sort of society we live in, people seem to enjoy that kind of thing. But for me, as a piano player, as a musician, as a composer, those are the, that's the thing I focus on is like honing my craft, you know, making music, making people happy when I go and play a gig, you know, yeah. making myself happy when I sit down at the piano, play the piano. Oh, you've made me go on to another question, which I hadn't even thought about. Actually, when you play, how much is it you playing for the audience versus, I guess, you playing for yourself? And I know there must be a mutual point of joy when both coincide. But yeah. does the audience yeah. come first for you normally or is that? Well, it's interesting having that gap mm. of a pandemic, you know, a year and a half or whatever, of not having that engagement with an audience. Right, right, right. And then you suddenly back in a room with people. But I haven't played, you know, properly for myself you know and finding out things that I can do musically it's such a joy for myself you know yeah, yeah. and then the added joy of like playing for people I sometimes forget I've done a few gigs recently you know I did a solo gig the other day up in Newcastle and um, you know just a few only a few gigs recently but you know there's a couple of times I've just forgotten about the audience because I'm so involved in just playing yeah you know and creating music and when you're with a band as well it's that dynamic with the band but then like talking to the audience and just having that engagement is just it's such a beautiful thing and you can't replicate that 
through CDs, through Zoom, through any other medium, you have to be in the same space. Absolutely. People. Indescribable, that feeling of when you're playing, creating something in the moment. It's, it's so special. That's why I love the art form. That's why I love jazz. And people like you who, like, you know, support what we do and, and promote jazz musicians do and have a love of the music. It's just fantastic. Oh, right. We've definitely so got the you. sound bite of all sound bites there, gang. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, and what a beautiful, what a beautiful sentiment in the in the clearest and purest of ways. So thank you for saying all of that. Um, right, it's top three album time, Zoe. What oh, no. do you go back to again and again? Well, when I'm travelling around, I used to have this really old iPod. In fact, it died the other day. Oh. And it had Eliane Elias's uh, The Three Americas yeah. on there. And I love used to it. listen to that. Every time I went anywhere, I'd step out the door and I'd put that on. But absolutely fantastic album. So I love it. So that. we have that locked in. Well, am I allowed a box set? Is that a bit cheat? Is that cheat? We've had crazier cheats. So yes, I will allow you a box set. <laughs> I mean, I do go back to Keith Jarrett live at the Blue Note box set. Oof. I don't know why. I was thinking about that yesterday for some reason. Do you know, nice. there's so many albums that I love. McCoy Tyner, the real yeah. McCoy's up there. Will he qualify for that third important oh, slot? No, I've, I've blown it with the box set. No, you, I've totally well, no, you it. can keep the box set. So you've got <laughs> Eliane Elias, the three Americans. Yeah. You can have Keith Jarrett, Live the Blue Note, and and all the discs that that entails. And you are allowed one more. I do yoga to Alice Coltrane. Oh, nice. I'm allowed that. You are allowed, Alice. Um, any specific? Well, there were a few, like Transcendent, Eternity, I think. I can't remember. I get them confused because I just put them Well, I tell you what, since we cheated on question two, we could sort of put Alice Coltrane, take your pick. <laughs> Loving it. Hey, the funny thing is I can never remember half the names of anything. Then you put it on, I'm like, oh, I love that. So, Zoe, it's time to sort the house band. Ooh. This is the moment you've been waiting for. As many say, it's the most eclectic fantasy band in podcast show business. Currently on the piano, we have Jerry Allen. Oh. Nice. On the drums, Paul Motion. Mm -hmm. On bass, Ron Matheson. Mm -hmm. On bass saxophone, stroke baritone, Joe Templey, the late John Hassel on trumpet, and the potentially untouchable Norma Winston on vocals. Mm -hmm. Now, your task is to remove one musician, <laughs> if you fancy, and if they, you think they need a break, because yeah, some of these guys are getting tired now. <laughs> um, but moreover, to bring in a new player from any point in musical history. Who should you like to add to our band? And if you're bringing in, you know, a replacement, who will you give a break to? It's a strange lineup. What did you say? Bass, baritone? So, and then we've got, yeah, bass saxophone specifically, but I said he can play baritone as well. Joe Templey, okay. uh, John Hassel, and Norm Winston. We've had strange lineups, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Can't just add another instrument in. To... <laughs> you, yes, you can. You can absolutely add in another. Last band ended up at 33 people before we had to realise that what the Jazz Junction was going to go bankrupt. Right, okay. I'm not awake enough for this question. <laughs> it's really harsh. You know, because being a piano player, obviously there'll be a million piano players, but Jerry Allen is top, you know, that's... that's She's perfect. top banana. Anyway, you can't knock her off. <laughs> no. Piano stall. So, all right, we'll just do this systematically. So, Jerry's locked in. Jerry's locked go on. in. No, no, rubbish. No. So I don't rubbish. want to give you ideas, no, but, but Shri I... added in the entire Count Basie big band... We've had a lot of different variations. I've had Duke Ellington conducting. We've had a, a band artist. We've had a, com a composer in residence. Um, so really, it's a freestyle canvas for you to do with what you wish. Okay, well, how about just adding Alice Coltrane in the heart? Nice! And she's yeah. never been in the band, Zoe. This makes me so Yay! happy. And Alice keeps Excellent. coming up in conversations. There we are. Marvelous. Alice Coltrane has joined the band, and this makes us all Marvelous. very happy. 
So moreover, thank you so much for being with us today, Zoe. Um, Obviously, we'll remind our listeners about the 21st of November and the EFG London Jazz Festival and the opportunity to go to Frith Manor Primary School in the Mill Hill. Um, Are are you playing elsewhere across the next couple of months? Should we go to your website? What's the best way to keep up with your news? I'm actually on tour with Courtney Pine, but also I think I'm playing in Birmingham with my brother and um, a sitar player singer called Debbie Priya Sirka on the 18th of December. I've got a feeling, a lunchtime. And then in the new year, I've got a few few things going on go to germany and things like that which are quite exciting lovely well we shall visit your website that we shall put in the the notes uh, so people can find out more about you and keep up to date with your busy schedules Fabulous. now if you have liked what you've listened to as i say subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes can you imagine uh and if you want to know more about us as i say visit our website at watfordjazzjunction.com uh, and of course we're on all the various social media and that all-important email address is jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com and just email us with the title, with the subject line, WJJ Podcast is one, and you shall be entered into our anniversary prize draw. Oh, I'm getting giddy at the thought. Next time, I am chatting with the very delightful Ray Gelato. But until then, it's goodbye, lovely listener. It is goodbye, fantastic Zoe. Bye. <laughs> uh, stay safe. Remember to connect with something new. And take care. Bye. Bye, everyone. You can't have a bonus goodbye, everyone, so I'll be editing that straight out. <laughs> <laughs>